Likuti Sikha is Chelik Tezayin, Volume 16, the second Sikha for Parshas Purim. In this Sikha, the Rebbe will explain the meaning and the essence, what's really behind the two mitzvahs of the several mitzvahs that you have to perform on Purim, the two mitzvahs of Mishloi Achmonis and Matonis Levyonim, the giving the gifts of food and um, the charity which we have to give for the poor, and how it connects to the real true essence and point of the celebration and the great joy of Purim. Also, we'll learn to appreciate what is really behind this uh, idea, this this this, uh, this observance of Purim, that we go out and get intoxicated. So on the verse, in chapter 9, verse 27 in the Megillah, where it says, Kimu Yehudim, that the Jews, Kimu, Kimu literally means they observed, they fulfilled. Vikiblu, and they accepted upon themselves, the Jews accepted upon themselves to observe all these mitzvot, all the laws of Purim. So the Talmud notes that really it seems that the order of the verse seems to be a little problematic because Kimu means they observed, literally, and Kiblu means they accepted upon themselves. Well, first you accept something upon yourself and only then do you observe it. So how do you first observe it and then accept upon yourself? So the Talmud says that this is hinting to something deeper. That kimu, the word kimu, could also mean to confirm, to ordain. That the Jews confirmed, they ordained that which kiblu, that which they have accepted upon themselves already in the past. What is it? So the Talmud says that there was a great caveat, so to speak, on the Torah, on the, on the Jews and our acceptance of the Torah. Although we know that when the Jews stood at Mount Sinai, they said, Nasev and Ishma, we will do, we will listen, and they unequivocally accepted upon themselves the Torah without any conditions. Still yet, there was always this caveat. Why? Because there's a Medrash that says, Kofaleim Harkigigis, that during the time of Matan Torah, when Hashem gave the Torah, He overturned the mountain, literally Mount Sinai, over their heads like a tub, and He said to them, are you going to accept the Torah good? And if not, I'll drop it on you. So all along, for all these years, hundreds of years, there was always that little doubt that maybe they accepted it out of pressure, out of coercion. But now, during the story of Purim, where for an entire year they faced the danger, this absolute threat to their existence, only for the mere fact that they were Jewish. In other words, how they denounced their Judaism. If one would have, God forbid, done that, then perhaps they would have been safe. And yet not one Jew bothered to go there, out there and denounce their Judaism, denounce their affiliation to the Hashem and to the Torah. And this was a sign that they firmly accepted the Torah upon themselves and from this we could understand that what does this mean in plain simple english that the jews during this time during the episode of purim the jewish people accepted upon themselves the torah willingly and with absolute joy in other words they express that this is something they really want and it's obvious then that this is the theme of Purim. That in essence, this is a very important theme of Purim, that the idea of the completion of the giving of the Torah, 
In other words, the idea that the Jews accepted upon the Torah was fully confirmed and absolutely fulfilled at the story of Purim. But if this actually raises a question. If that's the case, if acceptance of the Torah and, so to speak, the completion, the real true completion and emphasis of the giving of the Torah is on Purim, materializing itself in the story of Purim, then it would seem that it should, it would seem to make sense that there should be at least some kind of expression, some kind of observance in all the mitzvot of Purim, which should bring out this point. In other words, this is not just another point of Purim. This is a highlight. This is an essential part of Purim. So there should be at least something to commemorate this special aspect of Purim, this special thing. But we don't find, at least so it seems, we don't find there to be anything significant in the observances of Purim, which brings out this point. Says the Rebbe, that in fact, precisely so, if we look at the three unique mitzvot of Purim, we will find that they all connect back to this very, uh, to this very theme, the theme of the acceptance of the Torah, the theme of the connection, that happiness in being connected to the Torah. You see, think about it this way. Purim is a festival. A festival, there are various observances. We know that every festival in Judaism, except for Yom Kippur, calls for, let's say, for example, a meal. It also calls for joy, right? It's very typical of a festival. Then it has its unique observances. Let's say Pesach, you have to eat matzah. On Rosh Hashanah, you have to sound the shofar. But you have things that are inherent for every festival. So when you look at the story of Purim, I'm sorry, when you look at the observances of Purim, the fact that there is, for example, a mitzvah to hold a meal, to have a feast, that is not unique to Purim. That is every single thing. Every single festival. The fact, for example, that there is an obligation to say Al-Hanissim, to recite the prayer of thanks in our prayers or in the grace after meal, that's also not unique because on every holiday, there's an obligation to thank Hashem for the wonders that He did. The fact that we even have a reading um, uh, to, to celebrate the festival, that's also not unique. On every festival we read the Torah. On every special occasion we read the Torah. In this case, we read the Megillah. But there are three things that are unique for Purim that are special. And that is, in the reading of the Megillah itself, the fact that we have an extra reading, a read at night. Never do we have a special reading of the Torah at night in order to celebrate the holiday. Then we have also the Mishloach Manot, the giving of the gifts of food, which we have to give to our friends, and then the matanot levyonim, the gifts, the charity which we give to the poor, that you have these three things are unique, are special to the festival of Purim. And says the Rebbe, these three things actually bring out that special, uh, that special theme, that special celebration of the giving of the Torah, of the completion of Matan Torah. You see, Think of it this way. Something that a person does because they're obligated to do, something that they have, so to speak, imposed upon them, a person, that gets done usually in a manner that just allows the person to fulfill his obligation. In other words, a person typically does it out of a sense of obligation. But when someone does something voluntarily, someone accepts upon themselves something, then you see 
that that is done typically with an added excitement, with an added joy, because that is inherent with something that you accept upon yourself in, in a manner of joy, in a matter of voluntarily accepting it upon yourself. So where do we see this in these three mitzvot? The reading of Megillah, like I said, we have that extra reading, not just a regular mandatory reading that is typical for every festival, but there is an extra one. The sending of the, of the, of the gifts of food from one friend to another. So it's brought down in a, in a very, very important commentary on the Megillah, very important commentary on the story of Purim. It's called Manot HaLevi. Over there he says that what is the idea in Mishloach Manot? What is really behind it? What is the theme of it? That since it brings an enhancement of the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, of loving your fellow Jew, in other words, on Purim there's supposed to be more love from one Jew to another, therefore the sages made this mitzvah for us to have to give gifts of food to other, from one to another, which brings extra love, extra friendship from one Jew to another. But if you think about it, even here you see already an addition, you see the excitement uh, mode, the excitement idea, the element that's in this, that gives an addition, an added observance of this mitzvah. Think of it this way. The mitzvah of Avat Yisrael, the mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew, exists the entire year. Yes, it's a mitzvah all year round. But there's no obligation to go out there and find a Jew, track down a Jew, so you can have now the opportunity to do Avat Yisrael. Whereas on Purim, there is an added obligation to this mitzvah, there's an added element to this mitzvah, you have to actually go out there and seek another Jew, seek a friend, in order to bring him joy, in order to give him more love. So you see already that added aspect, again, which is a, a result of that joy, of that voluntary joyously accepting upon ourselves the Torah. And then you have again, in the giving the, the gifts to the poor. This is, again, an addition to the normal mitzvah of tzedakah. You see, usually, typically, the mitzvah of tzedakah is if there is a situation in which you encounter a poor person who needs help, then you're obligated to open your hand, to open your heart, and to provide all the needs of that person. But to go out there and search for poor people in order to now generate, create the opportunity to have to give tzedakah, that only takes place on Purim. So again, we see in these three things, the added element of these mitzvot, which although they're normal mitzvot throughout the year, but it, or, or throughout all festivals, but in Purim, they are not just the inherent norm, but we add to them, there is an increase because of the joy of that increase in the acceptance of Torah. And this we see expressed in these three mitzvot. Because what is the Torah all about? The Torah is about, in general, it breaks down to the mitzvot that are ben adam lamakom, between man and his creator. And that gets reflected in the reading of the Megillah, reading of Torah. And then there are the mitzvot of ben adam lechavero, between one man and another, one person and another. Well, this gets expressed in the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, loving your fellow Jew, Mishloach Manot, and the mitzvah of Tzedakah and Matanot Levyonim on Purim. All this, however, makes sense according to the commentary we quoted. However, there are some commentaries that explain that really what's behind 
In other words, what's the underlying reasons for Mishloach Manot and Matanot Levionim? That really it's all in order to help others fulfill their obligation of feasting on Purim. Since having the Feast of Purim is a very, very fundamental part of Purim, and therefore, if you give gifts of food, that helps bring others the food that they need to enhance their, fat, their, their feasting. Or the poor, they don't have enough means in order to luxuriously feast on Purim. And therefore, by you providing them, by you going out of your way to bring it to them, that is going to bring them, give, uh, provide them, that is, the ability, the opportunity to feast on Purim. So this is... This raises the question, and going back to the original question we asked, how then does this express our joy, our festivity of the main essence of Purim, which, like we said, is the idea of accepting the Torah. That we reestablish and we ordain, we confirm that which we already have accepted by Mount Sinai, that we accepted the Torah back then, but there was always a caveat over this. So in order to understand this, uh, you see, because really the question is, having a feast, if this is inherently part of, and parcel of the mitzvah of feasting on Purim, in other words, according to these commentaries, it connects directly to the obligation of feasting on Purim, then how is this different than any festival? What is unique about this? Every festival has an inherent mitzvah of feasting on Purim. So in order to understand this, we'll take a look into one of the primary sources of halacha, and that is the Rambam. Rambam, in the laws of Purim, he says like this. It's better for a person to increase in the gifts to the poor than increasing in his own feast, and his own su'uda, and his own meal on Purim, and in sending gifts of foods to his friends. Why? He says, because there is no greater joy and no greater beauty than bringing joy, than bringing happiness to the, ha- to the hearts of these poor orphans, widows, and, 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 and foreigners, meaning Gerim, proselytes, and so on. Because whoever makes these people, I'm quoting still, whoever makes these, the hearts of these unfortunate people, whoever makes them happy, whoever brings joy to their hearts, he is similar, he is compared to the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah means Hashem himself, as it says that Hashem revives the spirits of the lowly, and he revives the spirits of the contrite. This is what the Rambam says. So it's obvious from here that according to the Rambam, this idea, the concept, the idea that one needs to increase in the gifts to the poor on Purim is not just another element of the mitzvah of tzedakah. In other words, it's not just another aspect of the general mitzvah of tzedakah. Because if that were the case, then the Rambam should have also at least mentioned this when he discussed the mitzvah of tzedakah in its own place, in its respective place, in Hilchos Matna Sanim. There's a whole section which discusses all the laws and details of tzedakah. There he doesn't mention a word about this. So it's obvious and clear that this is an inherent and unique quality, unique mitzvah that is connected to Purim, not so much to the idea of tzedakah. So according to that... The question is, what exactly is it? In other words, if it's not another element of the mitzvah of tzedakah, then what is it? So the Rebbe comes to the conclusion that what it is, according to the Rambam, 
is that giving gifts to the poor becomes an element or becomes a better way to fulfill your obligation, one's obligation in feasting on Purim. In other words, in order for there to be proper joy on Purim, which gets expressed by the feasting, in, as it says in the, in, the, in the Megillah, that the days of Purim, the days meaning Purim or Shushan Purim, were established as days of Mishte Visimcha, of feasting and joy. In order for there to be real and complete joy, then you have to bring joy, you have to revive the, quote, revive the hearts of the poor. In other words, if you don't make them happy, then you're missing in your own happiness. And since the whole idea of Purim is to be happy and to be joyous, then therefore you have to provide for them. And this is a very important note, and this is where it distinguishes itself from your regular festival. You see, on every festival there's a feast. However, it's not an inherent aspect of the, of the, of the whole entire festival. In other words, it's not the inherent theme of the festival. Let's look at it this way. There's a festival, and on the festival you have to have a feast. Purim, the day of Purim itself is a day of feast. In other words, this is the essence of the day, the idea of feasting and being, being full of joy. And since that's the idea, therefore, the Ramam concludes that you have to give Mishloach Manot, you have to give gifts of food in order to see to it that others have the ability to do the essence of the day, which is feasting and being joyous. And therefore, you have to give to the poor in order to provide for them that they should that they should also have joy. Now we can see how this answers the question. This is the same and inherent of what happened on Purim. Remember, on the, during the, the that year that they stood the threat of annihilation. What happened? They accepted the Torah upon themselves voluntarily. And we explained in the beginning of the discussion that accepting something upon yourself voluntarily, doing something on your own free will, is usually synonymous with doing something with joy. You don't just do it out of a sense of obligation, you do it in a sense of excitement. So therefore, the days of Purim was, was established to be days of joy and feasting, because this is inherent of the joy that we all experience, that we all so much welcomed because we wanted to be connected to the Torah, because we fully accepted upon ourselves the Torah. And this is, this gets expressed in the mode in which we do the feasting on Purim. And this brings us to another point. The Ramam says that once he, once he explains that you give the, the gifts of food and you have to feast, then he tells us how does one feast on Purim? Says the Rambam, the way you're supposed to feast is you're supposed to eat and drink, and then you're supposed to drink to the point that you become intoxicated and you fall asleep. In other words, he doesn't say become intoxicated and go nuts, but become intoxicated and, so to speak, detach yourself by becoming asleep, by, by falling asleep. Now, where is this source for this? Because it says in the Talmud that, that a person, one is obligated, a man is obligated to, to intoxicate themselves on Purim until you come to the state of Lo Yoda. Lo Yoda is not knowing the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Morachai, which in plain simple English it means to become intoxicated, to become drunk. The question is, what kind of Jewish quality is this? We encourage to become drunk. It sounds like you know becoming drunk means is synonymous with becoming irresponsible, with being with being uh, just just uncivilized. 
is this something the Torah is telling us to do? The Torah is encouraging us even one, albeit one time a year, one time a year, to become crazy, to become irresponsible, to behave in a in a in a not respectful manner. Is this what the Torah is saying, really? So the Rebbe explains again: what is the point of Purim? What is the essence of Purim? What is the essential theme of Purim? The fact that they accepted the Torah, the ultimate level of the acceptance of Torah. In, actu- in, in actuality, the finishing touch of what started at Mount Sinai. And therefore, we have to reach on Purim that level, which is the highest level, since this is the highest point in the receiving of the Torah, so we have to reach the highest level of connectivity to the Torah. And where we see in the in Matan Torah itself, by Mount Sinai itself, what happened? The sages tell us that every time Hashem uttered another saying, their nishamot, the nishamas of the Jews just flew out of the bodies. In other words, there was such a heightened religious experience, such a heightened, sorry, spiritual experience, that they couldn't contain the body and soul together. And they just flew out of the bodies. They just, they experienced something beyond and above what they were able to tolerate. Till the nishamot were returned, till the souls were returned. Likewise, now that we're reaching even a higher level, we're celebrating something even greater than what they experienced at the the giving of the Torah, because this is the completing point. This is the ultimate point in the giving of the Torah. Therefore, a person has to reach a level where he is detached, so to speak, from his own intellect. He is detached from the limitations of his thoughts, of his of of his of his um, rational experience and reach to something even higher. He has to go above it. He has to go beyond it. And we find a a similar idea to this, something that parallels this in the description of what took place when the prophets experienced the prophecy. When they would experience a prophecy, they literally would have like an outer body experience. They even on the on on what met the eyes at least at least what what it seemed they were they had some kind of convulsions or they would fall into like a deep sleep in other words they couldn't be in a regular cognitive mode in a regular state of reality a regular state of cognizance and still experience this high level of godly revelation likewise on purim because we are, we are celebrating this tremendous and absolute connection to the torah the ultimate connection to the Torah, one that is beyond even that, in a sense, which they experienced at Mount Sinai. Therefore, we need to remove ourselves, at least to do whatever we can, to go into a state where the mind no longer interferes, so to speak. The rational mind, the rational intellect, no longer plays a role, at least for those that, that little short period of time, even if it means falling asleep, but in that moment we're detached from the rational and, and typical cognizance. And now we can understand why the ultimate is to make others happy. The ultimate is to make the poor people happy. Why that is a prerequisite, why that is a condition in you fulfilling your ultimate happiness, in you fulfilling your feast, and in you therefore coming to that heightened state of connection to Hashem. Because think about it. What is inherent in every person? Every person inherently, to some degree, has some level of selfishness, which is 
typically a healthy thing. You care about yourself. You do something which makes sense for yourself. Whatever you do is if it brings you joy, if it brings you happiness, if it makes you feel better. Here, however, what do we say? In order for you to feel better, you have to make someone else feel better. In other words, it's not what I can do for someone so I can feel better. I have to, it's not that I'm doing something because it makes me feel good. I have to make that person feel good. I have to make the poor people, I have to go out there and find poor people and give them the, the means to have their joy in order for me to have my joy. In this sense, this is what makes, what distinguishes Purim from all other festivals. All of the festivals, the emphasis, as it says in the Torah, is You shall rejoice in your festival. I mean, it's about your rejoicing. And therefore, you don't have the obligation to go out there and find the poor. If they come to you, of course, you can't be cruel and you cannot, uh, so to speak, uh, hamper the joy by not providing for another Jew. But you don't have an obligation to go out there and make someone else happy. But over here on Purim, the joy is not your joy. It's the joy of the Torah. So one has to bring joy to others in order for him to be able to connect into that portal of joy, the joy of the Torah. And now we can also better appreciate why the Rambam adds that one who does this, he's compared to the Shekhinah. One who does this, he's compared to, so to speak, to Hashem. Because if you think about it, that is what distinguishes the Hashem, the Shekhinah, from your typical human being. A typical human being, whatever one does, even if they're doing it out of kindness, out of goodness of heart, but at the end of the day, there's something in there that the person himself benefits from it. There's something in there that brings the person some good, some benefit. That is, the person feels good about it, the person no longer feels bad that somebody else is in pain, that somebody else is going through a hard time. There's always something about it that involves the me, the I, how what I am getting from it. But Hashem, His kindness is for pure kindness. His kindness is being done just to help others, just to do for others. And in that, is comes out, that gets expressed on Purim in the mitzvah of Matanotli of Yonim again. That you're going out there, you're looking for poor people to give them, to make them happy in order for you to be able to be happy. Not that you have happiness and if they're sad, okay, it interferes with your happiness. So you want to take that away. You want to eliminate that. You want to get that out of the picture. But you go out there, you preempt to go find them happiness in order that you should be able to come to the ultimate happiness, which is not about you. It's about the happiness of the Torah.